Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. This is Friday, the first day of September in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'll be talking about the summit of BRICS nations held in South Africa, which concluded on August 24th with a momentous decision regarding expansion of the five BRICS consisting of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa decided to add six new members. What does that decision mean for the United States and for the rest of the world? For the first time since 2010, the decision was made to expand membership, and six new nations were accepted with full membership to begin January 1, 2024. Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Egypt, Argentina, Ethiopia, and Iran were all admitted to membership just as the U.S. is the leader of the rules-based international order and the enforcer of the rules. China and Russia are the heavyweights of the BRICS, and their decisions regarding who gets in and who doesn't seem to be pretty persuasive. The full effects of the decision will take time to fully manifest themselves, but one thing is known for certain, that is that the BRICS now has 11 members. They're all on their way to greater political power, most likely a new currency union. They are all now suffering from the weaponization of the U.S. dollar. They were all under pressure to support the U.S. imposed sanctions against Russia, but none agreed to do so. Weaponization of the dollar and the freezing of the dollar-denominated reserves is a real fear, as that is exactly what happened to Russia. Nations are told that the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve the safest and best place for their foreign reserves, so that is where they put all their reserves that they have. Then the U.S. decides they've not followed the rules of the rule-based global order and their reserves are confiscated, never to be returned. The freezing of reserves cuts a nation off from international commerce because they must now have cash. Since the U.S. has frozen them out of the international banking system, their answer is to band together to start a new currency union big enough, diverse enough to offer the exchange of goods and services, perhaps even credit that can bypass the dollar. The new currency will not be easy. It will take time, but for now, the members will explore trading in their own currencies as Russia and China have been doing. India is the world's largest importer of Russian coal, and it has been buying that coal in the Russian currency. China and other oil import-dependent members have been buying Saudi and Russian oil and the Chinese currency. No wonder the sanctions on Russia appear to have inflicted more economic harm on Europe and the United States than on Russia. If I had control of the expanded BRICS, I would use the membership and coordination to reconstruct the global structure of money, of trade, use of military power and other things that would come to mind to accomplish that. I would focus on energy, especially oil, and the international oil trade. If the U.S. demanded or tried to muscle me on the use and development of fossil fuels, I would tell them to go pound sand, no pun intended. I would use my dominance in oil to put my members at the center rather than the bottom of the world agenda which would mean the return of a multipolar world, the end of U.S. dominance and hegemony. Time will tell whether I could accomplish all that, but time, I would argue, is on my side because at least 40 other nations have applied for membership, including Mexico. These nations 
would be considered one by one, year by year, as new members were absorbed. I would, in other words, push back against the, quote, new American century and all those neocons who seem to be running American foreign policy. The rules-based world order the U.S. diplomats tend to cite to justify a U.S.-based outcome is not appreciated by much of the world. Now they're coming together to resist it. Global oil has traded only in dollars since 1974, and the dollar has been the world's reserve since the end of World War II. That allows the U.S. to buy and end the supply of foreign goods and pay for those goods with pieces of paper printed on their press. And later, by using mere blips on a computer screen, the U.S., as a result, has its choice of the world's supply of oil. It had only to ship pallets of paper in exchange for super tankers full of oil. This allowed American politicians to pretend to be environmentalists and to per, to uh, pontificate about no new drilling, at least in America. The new addition to BRICS then are all about oil. They're also about the use of dominant military power around the globe, which the new alliance or association seeks to change. So let's look at how oil changes things. How does oil change things in this world, in this new alliance? All the six new members have something to do with oil, including ancient enemies, Iran and Saudi Arabia. Part of the petrodollar agreement with the Saudis was that the U.S. would guarantee protection from Iran, but now both are BRICS members. China has been able to convince both nations to stop fighting, come together to break the Western dominance over them, the addition of the United Arab Emirates, UAE, along with Iran and Saudi Arabia, encircles the Persian Gulf and the Strait of Hormuz through which much of the world's oil must pass. This is obviously a BRICS-OPEC alliance. That at first glance could be extremely difficult for the West if it doesn't achieve energy independence as Donald Trump was able to do. Russia and Saudi Arabia are two of the top oil producers in the world. Now they add others to an oil alliance. Brazil is also an oil producer of great importance with its offshore deposits. China and India are two of the top oil importing nations in the world. Now their supplies are assured. This all indicates a massive shift away from the use of dollars in international oil markets. Every barrel sold in a currency other than dollars means neither buyer nor seller needs American currency, nor do they need American banks and bankers. My view in trying to assess the impact is that all those truckloads of dollars sitting in accounts all over the world will be coming home soon to buy American assets, especially real estate at rock-bottom prices. This will contribute to inflation as the country is flooded with new money. And sure knowledge, we're now owned to some extent by foreigners and are therefore to some extent at their mercy. Maybe my assessing assessment about this is all wrong, maybe. I hope it is, but I don't think so, folks. Egypt is a new member. While Egypt's economy is tiny compared to that of others, it is geostrategically located with control over the Suez Canal, a key transit point for oil and natural gas from the Persian Gulf to the Mediterranean and to Europe. Egypt also has a strategic coastline along the Red Sea and a great deal of Mediterranean coastline as well. I'm sure 
Egypt hopes that a new BRICS membership will help transition its weak economy into something befitting its strategic location. The coastlines control vital choke points and shipping routes, just like the naval officer and theorist Alfred Trayer Mahan listed as necessary in his book, The Influence of Sea Power Upon History. War colleges, including the U.S. Naval Academy, still require Mahan's book to graduate. I've read it. I'm sure someone in China has read it too, but perhaps not anyone in Washington, D.C. What about Ethiopia? What makes it worthy of consideration? Isn't Ethiopia just an insignificant little country in Africa? China and Russia are both committed to Africa and to driving out Western influence from Africa, but there must be more reasons than just that. Ethiopia is located at the bottom of the Red Sea with Egypt at the top that makes it also a strategic location point in terms of international shipping and the passage of oil from producers to end users. Ship traffic in and out of the Red Sea is now clearly controlled by BRICS members. It's also a likely build-up point for trade into the heart of a developing Africa. That leaves Argentina at the southern tip of South America. Why would that nation, with its runaway inflation, history of defaults to Western banks, be of interest to BRICS nations. Well, it's rich in minerals, including the new critical elements like copper and lithium. These minerals are apparently the future of energy since the West is desperate for them to make batteries for their electric cars. Argentina also controls the strategic sea lanes around the tip of South America. Antarctica is an up-and-comer mineral-wise, and Argentina is the closest landmass to Antarctica. So South Africa controls the tip of Africa. Argentina controls the tip of South America. Both are members of BRICS. Alfred Thayer Mahan viewed sea power, i.e. the ability to project military power via a navy, as critical to control of the oceans of the world and, by extension, control of the coastlines and vital choke points of the oceans of the world. His book, once again, is entitled, quote, The Influence of Sea Power Upon America, Upon History, end quote, and it was published in, 19, in 1890. It was and is the Bible. Of the U.S. Navy, many other navies of the world, the great sea power empires like Great Britain and Japan have relied on it. Sea power is essential for trade in the modern world, and the nation must be able to protect its trade routes and coastlines to protect its commerce in an increasingly dangerous world. Should you read Mayan's book, you will see that military power is the first derivative of a nation's industrial power. If there is no strong industry at home, it is impossible to develop and maintain a powerful military force. Countries who refuse to industrialize, who de-industrialize, or who ship their industry to cheap labor countries will not long remain militarily powerful. This new BRICS-OPEC alliance is laid out strategically planned to dominate the sea lanes across the world. Those sea lanes have been under the control and protection of the U.S. Navy since World War II, but now a new force has arisen to challenge that dominance. The world is changing rapidly in ways not seen perhaps in centuries. Energy, mineral resources, food, the U.S. dollar, as the standard are all in play now. None can be taken for granted anymore. This situation reminds me a little bit of the old Far Side cartoon with, in which two dinosaurs are talking and one says to the other, 
there's a new ice age coming. The other dinosaur says, yes, we've got brains the size of walnuts. Well, I don't think we have brains the size of walnuts, but I do think we as a nation are projecting weakness around the world. The world is taking note. We have a weak president who is suffering from undeniable mental and physical decline. The military is often the first and only answer to every problem. Diplomacy. The opportunity to make agreements that benefit both sides seem to be an art lost on U.S. diplomats, since we only exclusively rely on our military. Logic teaches us that we should protect and strengthen it, but we seem to be doing just the opposite. My opinion is that our 78-year financial dominance of this world has given us an inflated picture of our own power, and now others are intent on taking away that dominance. What about climate change, which we in the West are told is the most critical problem facing humanity? These nations do not care even a little bit about climate change. They contain the largest exporter and the largest importer of coal in this world. They may pay lip service to it in order to appease the West. They may join some, quote, accord to finagle money from the West, but they do not care about it. They see this as economic warfare. They have chosen sides, and they intend to win. Finally, folks, the BRICS spokesmen say they are not trying to compete with the West, but I don't buy that. BRICS 11 is just a beginning. It's very obviously an attempt to compete with and minimize the G7, which Russia was kicked out of when it was the G8. It is, in effect, a new world order. And whether the West can compete with it or defeat it or whether the West will splinter with many Western nations joining the BRICS remains to be seen. It also seems that the U.S. Was, has badly underestimated Russia, both militarily and economically. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.